Hello, and welcome to Small Black Birds. I'm AJ. And in this episode, you will hear how the government treats pipeline protests like a crime and lets oil and gas companies get away with murder. Even as the effects of climate change intensify, oil and gas corporations continue to expand pipeline projects in service of their bottom line. Seeking to halt the fossil fuel emissions responsible for so much damage, environmental justice activists are springing into action across the country to protest against dangerous projects like the Dakota Access Pipeline. But rather than protecting their right to protest, federal and state governments are cracking down on those taking direct action against the country's biggest polluters. Lawmakers in over half the states have introduced or passed bills meant to restrict or criminalize protests against leaky oil pipelines and other energy infrastructure projects. Many of these laws increase fines and jail sentences for minor violations like trespassing and sometimes come with terror-enhanced charges when certain industries with political connections are the targets of activism. These repressive laws and harsh penalties are meant to intimidate and silence activists and create dangerous precedents for individuals and movements exercising their First Amendment right to protest. On Friday, the government unveiled federal terrorism charges against two animal rights activists accused of helping to free minks and foxes. A climate activist by the name of Jessica Reznicek was sentenced to eight years in prison. A black activist says the FBI investigated him for domestic terrorism because of his Facebook posts criticizing police brutality. In August of 2021, Jessica Reznicek reported to a federal women's prison in Minnesota to begin an eight-year sentence for sabotaging pieces of machinery involved in the construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. On election night in 2016, she and another woman used a welder to make small holes in sections of an empty pipe that would eventually be added to the 1,100-mile-long tube that carries crude oil from North Dakota to Illinois and passes through her home state of Iowa. For Jessica, who grew up in a small town and spent her childhood swimming in nearby rivers, preventing the pipeline from contaminating local sources of drinking water was personal. I would have to say that it started actually with my connection with water. I grew up in rural Iowa and grew up in the rivers a lot, particularly the Raccoon River. I remember at that time you could swim in the water without having to be concerned about any kind of like health consequences. So when I started hearing about the pipeline, the message from the indigenous-led movement, which is Water is Life, really resonated deeply with me. As a member of the Catholic Workers' Movement and veteran of the Occupy encampments in New York and Iowa, Jessica was no stranger to direct action and civil disobedience. Her activism against the pipeline started in early 2016, when she hitchhiked her way from Iowa to the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, the epicenter of the battle against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Along the way, she encountered a group of indigenous runners carrying staffs and feathers on their way to Washington, D.C. to urge the federal government to revoke the pipeline's permits. 
After spending time with water protectors at Standing Rock, she caught up with the runners and joined them on their march to the nation's capital. On her return to Iowa, Jessica assumed a larger role in the fight to stop the pipeline's construction. She spoke at public hearings, gathered signatures for environmental impact statements, and participated in marches and hunger strikes to sound the alarm about the threats to health and wildlife posed by leaky pipelines. Since the 1980s, pipelines in the U.S. have spilled an annual average of 3 million gallons, which is about 200 barrels every day. And when I returned to the water as an adult, something very tragic and dramatic had changed with the Raccoon River. And we know now a lot of like industry, corporate ag has polluted. The quality of water has seriously diminished. And I'm very, I grieve that. I grieve that not just for myself, but for the young people coming up behind me, for the young people now who've never even experienced that moment, those moments that I experienced as a child connected with the river. I wouldn't recommend anybody get in the Raccoon River right now. Despite Jessica and the other woman's acts of sabotage, which included destroying construction equipment and damaging at least four pipeline valves with blowtorches, the pipeline became operational in June 2017. Frustrated that their efforts failed to prevent the oil from flowing, the two women held an impromptu press conference and admitted to their deliberate efforts to stop the pipeline's completion in hopes of sparking more community-led action against it. As a result of her admission, Jessica was charged with nine felony counts of intentionally damaging energy infrastructure, a designation that could render a private, commercial company's enterprise a matter of federal concern. The designation was a provision of the Patriot Act, the controversial war on terror law passed in the wake of 9-11 that prosecutors have embraced as a way to punish environmental and animal rights activists who take action against energy infrastructure and industrial farms where animals are mistreated. Jessica would eventually agree to take a plea deal with federal prosecutors to drop eight of the charges in exchange for pleading guilty to one count of conspiracy to damage an energy facility. She faced up to 20 years in prison, and a judge would determine if her sentence would include an additional terror enhancement penalty. You know, I was hopeful. The count that I pled guilty to carried anywhere from zero to 20 years. And so I think there was a part of me that was hopeful that I could maybe be released on probation. But obviously I had to process the reality of, you know, a potential 20 year sentence also. I knew that my sen sentencing guidelines were pretty steep. And so I was prepared to be potentially facing up to 15 years. Unsurprisingly, the judge applied the terror enhancement to Jessica's charge and she received an eight year sentence. The characterization of Jessica as a terrorist fits a decade-long pattern of the government painting eco-activism as a security threat. 35 states have considered or passed anti-protest bills that restrict actions specifically around oil, gas, coal, or plastics facilities, describing them as critical infrastructure and adding aggressive new penalties for charges of trespassing or tampering. In Oklahoma, individuals who protest pipelines can be now smacked with a $100,000 fine and 10 years in prison. In South Dakota, a district judge recently blocked a law that made it harder to protest against pipeline projects, saying it violated free speech rights. There seems to be a real disconnect 
in the way that my sentencing came down. And the judge was very clear that she was sentencing me harshly so as to make it a deterrent from others to make similar stands. And so in that sense, I guess, if that's your goal, then I guess what she did make, made sense, you know? Without the terrorism enhancements, I would probably be looking at like two years. The surge in anti-protest legislation is a direct response to the wave of energy infrastructure-related protests. In 2016, indigenous and environmental activists at Standing Rock briefly derailed the Dakota Access Pipeline during a five-month standoff with law enforcement, and their brave stand inspired new opposition to oil and gas projects nationwide. It's not a coincidence that the government increasingly equates activism against pipelines and industrial animal farms as a threat. Both industries are supported by big businesses who give generously to elected officials and law enforcement in almost every state to protect their financial interests at the expense of your constitutional rights, the environment, and animal safety. In 2020, a federal judge ruled that the Dakota Access Pipeline was illegal due to insufficient environmental reviews, but the Biden administration continued the Trump-era position of allowing it to transport oil while the ruling is being appealed. By supporting the Dakota Access Pipeline, the government has taken the position of tolerating oil industry actors who poison the environment while bringing the full force of the law against those who take direct action to oppose them. But the threat to our country isn't from protesters, but rather from these draconian measures and unchecked fossil fuel companies. I was very concerned that the Dakota Access Pipeline would be traveling through this region. We can't really stand the chance of an oil spill in Des Moines. And these are not theoretical things that might happen. So the Bakken system leaked eight times in 2017, resulting in the spilling of over 5,000 gallons of crude oil into our nation's natural resources. So these are not just like things that might happen. These are things that did happen. We're just like witnessing these industries destroying life around us, and, and for what? Thank you for listening to this episode of Small Black Birds. The other woman who was charged alongside Jessica is Ruby Montoya, who as of this recording has new legal counsel and has withdrawn a plea agreement with prosecutors. She faces nine felony counts, eight of which carry mandatory minimums of at least five years in prison. Do you want to know if your state passed any anti-protest laws? Visit ICNL's protest law tracker to find out. And finally, I received some comments about the Julian Assange episode that I want to share and quickly respond to. Susan writes, this is the first time in U.S. history that a publisher has been charged under the Archaic Espionage Act of 1917. Their aim is to criminalize journalism. I totally agree, Susan. The U.S. government is getting payback for Julian Assange embarrassing the U.S. on the world stage. But if his prosecution under the Espionage Act is allowed to proceed, it opens the door for a flood of legal actions against traditional journalists that we depend on to keep the government accountable. Another commenter is less enthusiastic about the WikiLeaks founder. Lisa writes, Why should we care about this scumbag? Assange is not the press. He's a hacker. Hacking into classified government computer systems is against the law. Hey, thanks for your comments, Lisa. Given the other unrelated accusations against Assange, many share your critical opinion of the man. But neither Assange nor WikiLeaks hacked the government. 
Much like when the New York Times or other media outlets publish leaked classified materials, the highest court has ruled that it's not against the law to receive and publish those sensitive materials. And no matter how much Assange boasts and brags, it's not clear what sort of hacking skills the man or the organization is really capable of. Did I get this story right? Let me know at smallblackbirdspodcast at gmail.com. Want to protect your right to protest? Go to www.rightsanddissent.org. Stay safe and talk with you soon. Sing sweet songs.